2: Welcome to another episode of the Self-Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self-builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Mattson, your host and the editor of Self-Build Magazine. Okay, so David Dobbs, you were our main case study there for the autumn 2020 edition of Self-Build Magazine. So can you start off and tell us about your project? How did it come about? What's, what's the context of
3: your Self-Build? Yeah. Um, well, I built the house on, um, on our farm um, and the project started about three to four years before completion of the house. Um, and there were planning problems because of Wicklow County Council and notoriously difficult. Um, And what we ended up doing, despite owning land, we bought a little cottage on the side of the farm to guarantee planning permission um, because we could replace that cottage with our new house if required. We didn't want to embark on a a lengthy planning um, application and fail. And one of the main reasons we might have failed is because I already own a house in Wicklow and that's one no-no. You you won't get planning for a second house in Wicklow if you already own a house. So So we bought that little cottage. Um, It just happened to be on the side of the farm and it happened to be vacant. And we were very lucky and they didn't intend to sell it. But we did a bit of a land swap with the people who owned the cottage. They actually lived on the edge of the farm as well. Um, So we acquired the cottage. And then, our, as I said, our intention was to knock the cottage and replace it with our new house. Um, but we um, employed a planning consultant, and the planning consultant was really clever. He used to work for Wicklow County Council, Franco Gallicor. I think, unfortunately, he's now retired. Um, but he was a planning consultant, and he, he thought that it might, have been, might be possible to retain the cottage and to build beside it. Um, and sort of, we built it in a way that they they appeared to be linked. So it's effectively one dwelling. Um, And we managed to get planning permission on that basis, which was a huge success. So the cottage is a nice addition to our house, our property.
2: Absolutely. So what was on the wish list then when you went to design the house itself?
3: Well, initially we went, well, I think we... It, our wish list, list evolved during the planning process so i mean our wish list initially was to get a two story house um but that was um th- that was turned down during the planning application um and we probably should have known that but it was no harm to strive for as what, everything we wanted because we knew we would have got knocked back so that was our initial plan um and then we during the further information request we redid the the drawings to a bungalow, a single storey dwelling, um, which is over 300 square meters. So it's it occupies a large part of the ground. You know, it's a big, big, long house. So um, I suppose our main requirement was to have a a house to fit our family in. Um, And the bungalow, in fact, is much better than a two storey because we've got big high high. We've got no ceilings, big high um, spaces. And we wanted to capture the views because we're on a hill, so we've done that very well and get the light in, which we did as well
2: so then the um so then, in terms of energy efficiency, wasn't that a bit of a driver as well to try to I suppose now in this day and age, you do have to do pretty well on the energy efficiency side of things, but yeah, um, so that you, was you did give that quite a bit of thought. We you? did,
3: we did, we did. So, we really uh investigated that there's so many different options. You can insulate a house from either side of the block work, so inside and outside, or you can insulate it from inside the block work. Uh, and sometimes people do that and they dry line as well. So, we went for um, we went for cavity, um, what's it called again? What is it called? Can you remember, Astrid? Yeah, the
2: uh, did you go for the beads inside? Was no, that- it's
3: 150 no. mil. Um,
2: Full fill, was it? Full fill
3: cavity therm or extra, yeah, therm, extra therm, that's what it's called, extra yeah. therm insulation, I've forgotten, I, I wouldn't remember it a year ago, but extra, extra therm, um, 150 mil full fill cavity, and that meant we didn't have to put insulation on the outside or the inside, so that was that's a really good product and we're very happy with that. The house is nice and warm, so that was the first thing we did, We you're right, we really focused on, on insulation and um, a good BER, so we also uh put in spray foam insulation because of ease of in-, in the in the roof space uh mainly due to ease of insulation but also installation but also that um uh installation also that it creates very good air tightness uh, rather than um cutting in boards which is labor intensive and doesn't give that um that uh, air tightness. Um, and also much easier, much more difficult to install. We also um went for very high quality windows, triple glazed, alive clad, nordan. We we looked at all the main manufacturers, so all the high quality ones. So Carlson Rationale, um another one, very good one, which we really liked. The name will come back to me mm-hmm. shortly. But anyway, um
2: Inter-Norm. Internorm,
3: that's it. We really liked mm-hmm. Internorm. Um, but they were just too expensive. Um, but in fact, we're very happy with the Nordan windows, the quality of them. Um, and they've they've done really, really well so far.
2: Yeah, yeah. So triple glazing throughout. Um was did you have to claw back on anything? Because it's fairly high spec. You went for We didn't a claw good. back but did you on get...
3: no, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, look, there's a couple of other things. We also went for these very expensive um thermal blocks, which is the first layer of block above the um the screed, not the screed, but the slab. Um, and mm-hmm. it prevents, um, yeah.
2: Thermal bridging, yeah.
3: Thermal mm-hmm. bridging. And they were very expensive, maybe a bit over The builder thought they were. Um, and then a lot of insulation in the floor. Again, that was extra therm. Um, so where we cut back is, yes, we didn't manage to put in our our um, PV panels, which we had planned to do.
2: Right. So you went for a heat pump then to, to tick that box? Yeah, so we
3: went for um, a Neib heat pump. Um, which is really, really impressive piece of kit. It's Sixteen kilowatts. It sits outside. Um, incredibly efficient. Um, we haven't been running for two years now. Mm-hmm. It's due a service. It hasn't even been serviced. It just runs like clockwork. Uh, underfloor heating heats all the water. We've got a huge water cylinder, um, and then we got stats in all the bedroom, all the rooms. Um, so that works really well. It would have been nice to have PV panels to heat the water. But really, I don't believe PV panels are viable with my very, very small amount of knowledge and experience without being able to feed surplus um, electricity back to the grid. Once you can do that, I think you have a a viable um, source of energy, which is viable in terms of cost of investment. I mean, it just didn't make sense. The payback is too long. We worked it out in the back of a piece of paper and, you know, we just thought, you know... But it wasn't viable, yeah. so we didn't do it. It would have been nice, but we didn't. And that's where our main saving was from our initial mm. plans.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, they, they're planning to, supposedly, with these uh, climate action plans and whatnot, we should get something next year. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully, well, that would be good.
3: It needs to be done. Yeah.
2: yeah, did you did you make provisions to to possibly install panels later down the line, like have all the...
3: Yeah, it's like, wired. A, it's wired. It's wired, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but... Yeah. I really don't think we will. Mm,
2: mm, um, yeah, till the yeah till the payback's it. good. So, what are your bills like in in per year? How much do you spend on electricity? That's a really good question. The heat pump? Um,
3: I, I I've neglected to even look at our bills. Um,
2: right, so it's not a shocker, anyway.
3: <laughs> no, it's not a shocker. Uh, we've got no gas, no oil. It's only electricity. It's not a mm-hmm. shocker. Um, so or, you, you
2: do have a mechanical ventilation system as well? Yeah,
3: which is really critical, I think, for new houses. Um, mm. I really yeah. think that you need that. Uh, yeah, Mainly because it's so well insulated and so airtight. That without that, you've got to open windows um, or you've got to put in vents in the walls. Now, vents in the walls just don't make sense to me at all. They allow, they allow moisture into your house and they also... Um, counteract all the work you've done in terms of airtime. So for me, the only option really when you ha- for these modern houses, mm, mm. I think. But again, I'm not that experienced, but that's my, from my research. I'm pretty yeah. happy that we put it in.
2: Yeah. So then in terms of um, finding a builder and all that, can you walk us through how you, you went about it? Because you, your, your design was done up by an architect, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I did it pretty badly as it turned out. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: the noise
3: yeah, I know i made it i made well look i, I tried to take all the boxes in terms of requiring a builder and therefore assuring that I got a good one, but didn't quite work out like that um mm-hmm. so i i had a I had a, a q s who assisted with the tender, and we went to tender and we drafted a nice document and we issued it to a number of builders um but at only. Two only three builders came back to us. The guy, the, the person, the builders that were the lowest price were small local builders who had quite a bit of experience, but probably in building smaller houses. We went and looked at a house which was comparable to ours locally, and it looked fab. Um, and the the owners were relatively happy. Um, but in hindsight, I'd say the owners were being very very kind because they the, the builders unfortunately didn't work out. The quality of their work just wasn't good enough. Um. Halfway through, well, Less than halfway through the build, there was just mistake after mistake. Now, some people might have tolerated it, but I'm afraid we didn't. And uh, eventually, they, they, re- they walked. They couldn't, they couldn't deliver the level of standard that we wanted, which I don't believe was particularly high. But they couldn't deliver it. So the site was shut down during the summer months. All the block work was done. Half the roof was up. And then we got a new builder. The new builder worked out really, really well and finished the job nicely.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: McCabe, Kieran find, McCabe, this is his name. How did
2: you? How did you find the new builder?
3: Through, um, through a friend and an architect who wasn't actually on the job, but they had worked with these guys. They're Dublin builders. They they were competitive as well, surprisingly for Dublin, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a really good job.
2: Yeah, they had a good finishing.
3: team. I couldn't fault yeah. them really. Yeah,
2: and so um, just the QS portion—it's a quantity surveyor. You, why did you decide to go with um, with a quantity surveyor? Just to, just to. Work well, with I think that the, the, architect, the approach to the budget. I think
3: maybe because look, you know, I did made a load of a lot of mistakes. So, <laughs> I mean, who really, did the QS? <laughs> or I you? Mean, <laughs> I did. I mean, really? Why? you know you employ an architect and they say they'll do the whole job but in theory they say that but practically brilliant the, the architect that we had was a great designer but when it came to managing the project um you know he was busy designing other houses and bigger jobs and he wasn't he just didn't give us the level of attention um and we felt that that would be the case from the start so we got a qs look again the qs You know, I'm being very critical of all all the team here to a certain extent, Um, but the QS didn't deliver as much as I would have liked either. But its biggest mistake was recommending the the initial builder that we went for. So really, we had a fairly dysfunctional team building a house to start with. And when the new contractor came in, that changed it dramatically. So, because they knew exactly what they were doing and they really didn't need as much supervision as the previous builder. So, you know, I think... Overall, I think the biggest thing is to acquire a really, really competent contractor. And that's what we failed to do. And as a result, I think the whole team uh, didn't work. So, so I'm you, very you negative ha- here. But, but you know, that's
2: okay. It's to, to learn from, isn't it? So a con- did you have a contract in place with those two builders, the, the first and the second? Yeah, one? I did have a
3: contract in place. So we, um, yeah, we uh, terminated the contract. And then we got a new contract in place and it worked out really well. As I said, now, there's quite a few positives by, from this happening. Firstly, the contractor um, left after all the block work was done and the block work was done over a very wet winter. So then we had a really hot summer and it was very dry. It actually dried out the block work, which is probably required and all the insulation inside. So, you know, that break was possibly a good thing, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. Um, and we managed to get more time to tweak what we wanted. So you know, it was a very painful, slow process. It took another six months than it should have done, but we got a big, pro- a better product out, a better house out of it at the end. You know. Um, so.
2: Yeah. So my point t- is,
3: if you're not happy, you've got to put the brakes on. You can't. You no, know, it's more important than being able to get a month ahead. You've got to get the quality that you need
2: said so that's an important point because you can get a bit bullied into you know into the, you know the builder saying well this is the way it's done and you know or try to find shortcuts and things like that so it, it is about having the confidence to realize, well this isn't going to plan so we have to we have to find a solution here which could mean Exactly. A, yeah, but the contract was pivotal wasn't it in in making yeah, sure Yeah, I mean that look you, you have
3: to have a solid contract with um with uh, Ed, the any whoever you employ, and to be fair to QS, that was done very well. So um, you know we had a, a payment schedule, and it, no payment was made until each stage was done to a satisfactory standard. So, in min financially, I wasn't I wasn't in trouble at all, uh, mm-hmm. and that was that was critical uh, that I could move to the other builder, not having paid for things that hadn't been done. So, so
2: who 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 was signing off on the stages?
3: Is um, it the QS? An engineer? The architect has the final say. The architect.
2: There. Okay. Yeah.
3: yeah. Okay. So that was good. And that was really good. So yeah, you're right. The contract is very, very important.
2: So I presume you opted out of, um, we of did. The, the, in in terms of, yeah, in terms of filing all the paperwork and stuff for yeah, building Yeah, we control. did.
3: We did. We did. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I think, I think really the only benefit of not, Opting out is if you're going to sell the house within a reasonably short period of time. Because I think it's good to have that all signed off absolutely perfectly. Again, I don't know much about it, but I have no intention of selling this house. And um, you know, it's all built to according to building regulations. So um I didn't see a benefit in staying into that scheme.
2: Did you did you look into into the costing ish or I think it
3: might have cost if I hadn't opted out, I think I think the architect said, with all the onerous sort of paperwork and inspections, it might have. Look, I off the top of my head, it might cost an extra five to ten grand. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that just with all a the lot extra, of money.
3: yeah, it's a <laughs> lot of money for for no gain, only only yeah, headaches. Because, so yeah, because it, these buildings they all have to be built up to current regulations anyway. So the architect mm-hmm. can't sign off on that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think it probably would have made it more difficult for the builder to make mistakes because it would have been more of a presence from the architect on site. But really, anyway, no, we opted out. And I think that was a good idea, good decision. Mm, mm.
2: And in terms of health and safety, do you remember what had to be done there? Or did the architect take care of all of that? Yeah, no, we had a health and safety well.
3: document drawn up and they had to pick lots of boxes. And, um, yeah, and it was kind that? of fairly onerous. Uh, the QS. Mm. Safety file drafted. I, you know what? I hardly looked at it.
2: Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. It's an extra cost as well, but sure, it has to be done. I think insane. I think it has you have to, to be have done. it, don't you? By oh, law, you really do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So then, so in terms of um, kind of tips, advice along the way of the build or the planning process. I know we touched upon a few already, but um, yeah, okay. So I mean, look, the, best the, the
3: best, the best, the best uh, money I spent on the whole process was a planning consultant, you know, and despite them spend charging me maybe a thousand euros to write a couple of letters, which is quite a lot per letter. I wish I could make that much money with a couple of letters, but, um, you know what his experience was invaluable and really we got the cottage as a result of that advice. Um, so planning consultant was a great thing and a lot of people wouldn't use them if you get a good local consultant who knows the planners and how they think. Um, again, you need to acquire the best contractor you can that's critical don't expect too much from your architect and relate to project management because i think i'm generalizing but generally speaking i don't feel that that is really their department um they might dispute that um
1: <laughs> what else a little
3: bit of advice look we we sourced a lot of materials i mean sourcing materials was obviously a huge part of the project and we made a big effort there to make sure that we got the materials that we wanted so we got Spanish slate, we got zinc from Germany, we got wooden floors from Germany. My wife is German, so we imported quite a few things from Germany, um, and we saved a lot. So uh, Reuter, R-E-U-T-E-R, they're a bathroom suppliers from Germany. Uh, they shipped in all our stuff. No extra cost, I think cost €100 Euro for a pallet, and that got us all our sanitary ware, our, our um, showers, baths, everything so sourcing materials make an effort on there you'll get a lot of savings and you'll probably get better quality if you, if you make an effort and don't just go to your local suppliers I know I'm not being very loyal to Ireland and our economy here but <laughs> to hell with that <laughs> in this instance anyway
2: <laughs>
0: a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance
2: Um, So then, um, so yeah, the finishes, was there, were there any uh, driving forces where, how did you get um, your inspiration and all that kind of jazz? Yeah.
3: Yeah. um, Well, we don't like anything that's sort of artificial or fake, you know, or just pretentious. So we wanted to keep it simple. But like, for example, the floors are, are proper wooden floors because we don't like the laminate you know, even how even though the quality is it's high and um by far the most popular to selling floors are these high quality laminate floors. We didn't go for those because we want real wood and it means we can um we oil them every every six months. We're really happy with the wooden floors. Um but they scratch a bit. So you know, but we don't mind that. Um so our style was not to put anything that was in any way just to make it look good. You know, like didn't want to put any false ceilings in to balance things up and we didn't spend too much money on our kitchens and our bathrooms so um, and they look really really well like we didn't go for a, say newcastle design which is very popular but extremely expensive we, we we did go local for for our kitchen and our cabinetry work um, and we didn't spend a huge amount of money and it's it's perfectly adequate it's more than adequate it's good you know um, so how so do you we sp-
2: design it yeah, go ahead,
3: sorry. We spent more money on, as you said at the start, insulation. Um, you know, the, fab, the main fabric of the building is where we invested more money than the finishes, you know, because yeah. they're going to date anyway. You know, give it, give it five or ten years, and even if it's a really modern, fabulous kitchen. Now, it is nice, but don't get me wrong, but even if it was state-of-the-art, in ten years' time, it'd be completely dated anyway, as, as would be the case with the bathrooms, because I see it all the time. I'm an estate agent myself and I see, you know, these these things date very well. The other thing we didn't want to do very quickly, I mean, the the other thing we didn't want to do is follow trends because again, in the business that I'm in, you know, if you go for for trends and popular colors at a particular time, uh, they're the, they're the ones, they they're the quickest to go out of trend, you know, and suddenly you've, time stamped when you built the house so we went for what we wanted not what was in fashion
2: so then so the kitchen then just going back on that and the bathroom design wise did you guys design it yourself and then ask a local carpenter to to put it yeah, together yeah we just designed her? it
3: ourselves yeah so alex my wife did all the interiors really you know the kitchen the bathroom the utility room was just fabulous really like that room um and yeah we just got sat down with a bit of paper and discussed it with the with the carpenter uh, we, we, we went to a few different kitchen suppliers, so, uh, you know, it's a bit bad luck on them because they would have helped us a lot with the design and then not got the job. So we, we were able to show that to the guy who did get the job, you know, like they've got lots of, you know, software to be able to show what it's going to look like, you know, so we used that and the, the local guy was able to benefit from that work. Mm
2: hmm so so then in terms of the budget did you have a spreadsheet or how did you manage to keep on top of things or was it just really a question of um you know following the schedule with the builder then when you're going okay this is we're going to plan and yeah that's it there wasn't too much managing of the budget then if if you had a main contractor was there
3: um i mean managing the budget so we had a we had we didn't do a bill of quantities to it. We didn't finalize a bill of quantities before, prior to starting, and maybe that's the right thing to do, but we did want to get going on the project. So we put quite a lot of PC sums in. So we, create, we gave ourselves a budget for the kitchen of, say, I think of a budget of the kitchen and the utility room, I think it was 25 grand, excluding appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to work to that budget, um, and, and the builder had to be happy that he could do, You know, but not the builder, not as a bad example, with the kitchen, because we subcontracted that bit um but you know yeah we had a very clear idea of each stage how what our budget was and sometimes we went over it slightly and other times we were maybe slightly under often more over than under as you can imagine but we had it fairly tight and yeah we had a a, a spreadsheet with all our costs through the project
2: (sighs) Because you, you basically sourced a lot of the products, as you were saying, from Germany for, for fittings and flooring and all that. So I suppose you left a lot of stuff out of the, the contract for you to source then. So
3: were we you did. under pressure
2: from the builders to, OK, I need that now? <laughs> yeah, need no, that we yesterday, no, we weren't. Luckily,
3: we were a step ahead of the builders all the time. So that's a good point. Like, you, know, you can't have a builder blaming you for not having the materials on site. Now, a lot of the, a lot of the materials would have gone through the builder. So I think they took a small cut on everything, even though we were sourcing it. They took their little cut on it, um, which was fine by us. It's just part of their remuneration. So, um, so they so they would have actually managed the orders, even through Germany. And they would have managed them. They would have opened their account in Germany, for example.
2: Okay. Now the
3: now the guy the, with the exception of the guy who put in the kitchen and the utility and the wardrobes and everything. They were separate.
2: So then, when the materials got on site, how were they stored? Because if you got a, bit, a few pallets from Germany, they had to be put somewhere safe. Did you? Yeah. So we had the Couch cottage. To... Oh, the cottage, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So that was a really, really great unit for storing um, stuff as it came in. But I mean, a lot of it was a big enough house, so there's a lot of floor area that we could store things just in the middle of the, you know, in a certain room in the house. So storage wasn't an issue, and nothing. One dehumidifier was stolen on site for the whole, for the duration of our project. So you know what? That's okay.
2: <laughs> That's a bit I'll bizarre. <laughs>
3: it was worth fifty euro.
2: Yeah. Uh, and it? we lost
3: one tap. It was a nice okay. grower tap. Mm. And I don't know where that went. I'd say that was probably um, picked up as well by someone. But you know, so security was an issue, was a concern, but it didn't happen. You know, you've got to watch out for that, though. Security. <gasps>
2: yeah. 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 Make sure everything's under lock and key and all that. I think
3: so. Yeah. And if you can get yeah. a camera up, you know, if you can get a camera up on site during the project, a few cameras, uh, I think that's a really good idea.
2: Right. On toes. <gasps> yeah. So then the in terms of the timeline, we're talking, what, so planning, I think 2016, 2017, roughly yeah i think you'd given me dates yeah july 16th to february 17 is what i have down here which is fairly long for getting planning but i guess you're in wicklow and you had what was it nine months with them yeah
3: it felt longer Mm. but you know what the biggest problem wasn't the to be honest with you the biggest problem wasn't wicklow county council the biggest problem was the architect moving as quickly as we would have liked so you know they've got a lot of jobs on and you know when when a request comes in for further information, for example, you have got to go back to your architect, who then has to assist you in delivering that information. I mean, they could be on three or four other projects, and they might say, "Well, I'll deal with that in a month's time." Which is what happened. So, you know, that was very very painful. You know, that how slow it took. I mean, we could have done it a lot quicker if the architect had could have, was in a position to move quicker. You know, mm, mm. so we had to okay. redraw the house. Because it changed from two-story to, to bungalow, you know. So that took a long time. So the yeah. planners just waited for us until we resubmitted the drawings. Hmm.
2: Yeah, And then and then the build, so August 17 is when you started and then finished February 2019. So, yeah. That was that? from the delays. A year and that a was half. From, yeah, so. That was yeah, it yeah, it would have taken a year. Yeah, it should have taken a year. It should
3: have taken a year and it took a year and a half. And it felt, yeah. that, that extra six months felt. A long time but you know what it was fine it was worth it it was worth it and I think when people are in the middle of it they should see that that you know what don't panic to, for those extra few months you know if you want to get in before Christmas I mean it's not that big a deal I know you need somewhere to live but I would I would relax next time around in terms of the time frame and focus more on the quality so I would advise anyone not to get stressed about the time frame even though they don't want to tell their bills that obviously you no, know, there's no problem. Take as long as you want. No, or or their architect, but just take it in your stride, you know.
2: And um, and just to touch upon the acoustics quickly, I know you, I don't want to keep you too long. You're but
3: I- yeah. So um, we we didn't feel there was any benefit in putting ceilings in the house in a bungalow, and that was one of the best decisions we made, in my opinion. Now we did put ceilings in the bathrooms, but everything else, you've just got vaulted roof spaces. You know, the ceilings are they follow the the roof line. Um, And as a result, the house was quite echoey, particularly in the kitchen, which is a big space. It didn't bother me as much as Alex, my wife. So um, we talked about loads of different options, putting in sort of um, wooden panelling, putting in all sorts of different things. And in the end... You mean
2: on the walls?
3: On the ceilings.
2: Oh, on the ceilings. Put wooden panelling on the ceilings. So panel
3: the ceilings with sort of wood with little gaps in between. That was an expensive job. So... We just the builder thought we were mad. He thought, you know what, this would be grand. He said, just just plaster it all, plaster it, and it'll be fine. You'll you'll have enough fabrics with furniture and everything to get rid of that echo. So when we finished the house, we felt that it was still too echoey. So we didn't agree with that one. So Big Bear Sound, their acoustic specialists. They they came out and they they basically fitted these panels to the ceiling. They're just sort of um, rectangular, plasticky, foamy things. They they're actually very. They look actually quite cool. Um, not that we were looking for anything from a visual point of view. It just had to absorb the sound. Um, and they we stuck them up on the ceilings in the kitchen, and the dining area, and they made a huge difference. It cost about twelve hundred euros to put them up, but they had their lasers yeah, and um, they had their laser lines just to have. So it looked really sharp and they're clean lined. You know, mm. um, they work really well.
2: So then, um, w- were there any issues with having vaulted ceilings in terms of running services and um, cables and all that? Did you? Uh, were, the only the, thing is the ventilation, guys the ventilation system.
3: To one. <laughs> yeah, the ventilation system, you're right. You know, we had to run ducts to each room from the main unit, which is above our inner utility, where there is a small ceiling there. Um, so yeah, it made it a bit more of a challenge. You know what? It was fine. Uh, yeah, it was on the plan. That. So
2: they, well, they, they, they worked around
3: it really. As yeah, long I'm as just you give them the plans it. In,
2: it, in advance. Um... But so, the, the,
3: so really, no, the vaulted ceilings are, you know, really, I think people should think about not putting in ceilings in bungalows, particularly when you can't go upstairs. Obviously, if you want to put a dormers in or, you you know, create enough attic space for your storage, but where, where you don't need it, I'd, I think it's great. It gives you so much more space and light and height, just a sense of space. And the insulation is just as easy, maybe even easier. You know, you've got your spray foam insulation, and then you've got – we did put a warm board underneath the spray foam. I think it was 50 mils of – yeah, 50 mils of extra therm again, and then your plasterboard. And, um, yeah, it's worked really well.
2: And anything you would change with hindsight, let's say if you – you were starting now and you knew what happened apart from the whole um, acquiring kind of people the is advires, the most yeah, yeah um, that is kind of the key. Uh,
3: no, our windows are amazing. Our slates, uh, we've we've used monocou spray on plaster on the out, but well, it's not plaster, it's monocouche oh, yeah. spray on.
2: How is it working out? Cause it's you were really, really something good. About the northern side, maybe staining I, or something.
3: Yeah, it's quite soft material. So, you know, if you reverse the car into the wall. If you reversed your car into your render, uh, render in your house, you dint the (laughs) car. Not to be
2: recommended, I suppose. Right. You would, you would dint the car, is it? You
3: dint the bumper on your car, wouldn't you? You Yeah. You the car. Whereas if you reversed into our wall, you'd, you'd put a hole in the wall. Right. So that's a problem. And now I haven't, I just, it's quite soft. Um. And it's only one layer. So uh, I spoke to a plasterer, a client of mine, he said I, he thought I was mad putting in Monacouche, but he would say that. It's a plasterer, mm. you know, and he just felt that it's not as durable. And you know what? And it maybe doesn't create as much air tightness or over time it might stain. So I don't know, uh, the jury's still out on that one, whether Monacoosh was a good idea. we um, spray it down with anti-mold underneath, spray it down a couple of times, underneath the window sills you can get this water pouring off the side of the windowsills. You get just a start of a green stain. But And you can't just watch, I, a bit of advice, try not to watch it off with a power watcher. If you get your spray, um, it's get it in wood eater. I I can't, mm-hmm. some algae remover. That seems to really keep this, the render looking you know clean. So, so far the monocouche is good, but, you know, the jury's out in on that one. I'm not 100% yeah. sure yet. Um, a little spray, bit of
2: maintenance, yeah.
3: So that's one thing. Do I have any regrets, though, um, about design? Not at all. Uh, I'm glad the planners made us put a bungalow in rather than two-story. Look, maybe our woodwork, maybe our, our, our doors and our architraves and skirting boards, maybe they the quality of those is a tiny bit low, maybe, and possibly should have maybe gone for slightly thicker doors. But really, I'm only nitpicking. Uh, we're really, yeah. really happy with the house so far.
2: Oh actually maybe the two years in, outside our good.
3: driveway maybe our driveway is not flat enough. Um <laughs> so we should have maybe maybe made a bit more of an effort. With the front of the house, the gravel where we graded the eight oh four before we put on our gravel, it's not quite flat. But again, we can fix that. Just visually that it just it's not totally flat. And maybe we we skimmed on that a little bit. It's just not right,
2: okay. it's just, on you the groundworks. A
3: client of mine, a brilliant client of mine, he very kindly um, who lives down the road in Wicklow here, he had an 18-tonne high Mac and he gave it to me for my duration of my build. So that saved me a huge amount of money. So I did it all myself. And um, I just employed a driver and it cost me €12 Euro an hour, something amazing, rather than €100 Euro an hour if I was to, yeah. um, I don't know, I don't know what they are, but maybe €100 Euro an hour if I was to employ someone with a high, a high Mac. So we saved a lot of money, but maybe as a result, if I would had a professional Overseeing hmm. the whole thing, it might have been slightly better, but we saved a lot of money. There you go. Yeah,
2: absolutely. No, that makes a that makes a difference. But they were they were safe pass. They had their safe pass and all that, didn't they? <laughs> sure, uh, they did.
3: <laughs> um, a safe pass, eh? <laughs> or the, something like that. that I can't remember. I, I think say,
2: there's there are um kind of oh pardon, yeah anyway they they get their yellow pass anyway. oh yeah the driver yeah, yeah
3: the driver had a safe driver. pass that's right No, the guy who hmm. my client who Gave me that digger, an amazing thing to have. Mm. He asked for that. Yeah, so the driver I had, who's a local guy, who I've used recently again, you know, in recent mm. months, he's, he was a brilliant. Yeah, he had a safe pass. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure and, about and insurance, how- though. I think I might have... Oh, um, yeah. You know, because I was employing him, I, I just, I never quite got to the bottom of that insurance thing. So that's something to watch out for. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Did you get self-built insurance or did you just leave it to the builder then?
3: I think when the builder... They take possession of the site, they therefore are responsible for insurance, so I don't think I had a sufficient level of insurance cover to employ my own people
2: mm-hmm. um,
3: so I may have broken that rule with the with the driver, so it's one to watch out for, maybe farm insurance might have covered the driver on the farm, you know, but I'm not sure yeah,
2: yeah um and then the cost do you remember overall, how much you
3: how much is the cost of the house yeah. That's like, ask, that's like asking a farmer, you know, how much land they have. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I'll take oh, no, back. I'm only messing, I'm only messing. No, I think I told <laughs> you already, I'm only joking. I think the overall cost all in was about 600 grand. Mm-hmm. 5.50 excluding um, 550 excluding um, professionals. Yeah.
1: So
3: um, professional, what do you know, the um, architect, and QS and things like that. Uh,
1: oh, engineer, I had to employ an engineer didn't.
3: as well. Um, the planning consultant. So 550, 600, mm-hmm. it's about 300 square meters.
2: Yeah, in Wicklow.
3: Look, it's not for the faint-hearted. That's all I can say to anyone who wants to build a house. It's <laughs> not for that's... the faint-hearted, but it's <laughs> worth it.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is it, is it worth it, though? <laughs> oh,
3: definitely worth it. It's really yeah. worth it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think most people who build, they will tell you that.
2: Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. That's great, David. Thanks so much for your time.
3: Not at all. Thanks, Astrid.
2: That's it for this Self-Build Plus podcast episode. Tune in next time for more tips and advice from experts and self-builders alike. And make sure to explore everything Self-Build Plus has to offer. The Self-Build Plus journey guides you through the process of building and home improving. The Self-Build Plus forum allows you to share and learn from other self-builders. While the Self-Build Plus videos and our Self-Build Plus virtual events are packed with information and advice.